I am unashamed. What about you? So we're back to unashamed. We have a, one of our favorite returning guests, Uncle Cy, is in the house. He's got I see he's got his tea jug there. Cy, everybody, everywhere I go in America, they always want to know about your tea. Your tea is like, I mean, everybody wants to know what what's in the tea jug. And I said, well, it's tea. Hey, that's the elixir of life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, Doctor Oz said that when we was on his show. He did. Yeah, he asked. Yeah. He asked. He said, "Sai, who has the healthiest liver?" And nobody guessed you. And he said, "Uncle Sai has the healthiest liver." Yeah, Jessica took him. She jumped up and she said, "I, I am because I'm the youngest." And he's the wrong answer. That old man is. <laughs> and she said, "What? That old man? He ain't. Ain't no way he's got better kidneys than I have." He said, "Yes, he does because he drinks all that tea." That's right. It's full of antioxidants, I think is what he called them. That's exactly what he That's said. healthy. And so it's uh, – and just so oh, yeah. everybody knows, so Cy, everybody thinks you're drinking sweet tea, but you don't drink sweet tea, right? No, I had to correct them all the time. I said, hey, look, I'm crazy enough as I am. <laughs> if I drank sweet tea and drank two gallons of it a day, can you imagine what you might see? <laughs> It'd be pretty no. revved up. Yeah, it was. Hey, that'd be. You know, I don't know. We don't want to know. We might not even want to even show that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we we, ha- we haven't had you on the podcast in a while, but you uh, you recently had a uh, procedure done to expand your uh, your lung capacity because you have COPD, which is kind of a degenerative uh, lung disease. So t- tell folks yeah. about stupidity what- on my part. Yeah, too much smoking, smoking right? cigarettes. Yeah, smoking cigarettes for 30 years is stupid. Okay, that's what's caused all this. Yeah, stupidity on my part. But you're here, and so we want you yep. to be around a little longer. So what what did they do to you? And you look good, so apparently, because you just had this done a few days ago, right? Yep, I had it uh, Wednesday, the 7th. Right. What Dr. Connolly did was is he inserted a tube down my my throat. Then he goes in and looks at my lungs. We've... We had about a month prep. I had to take all kind of x-rays and go to the hot doctor, the heart doctor and get an okay for it from her. You know, and she actually put the scope up and checked my heart out and everything's good. So I finally got all of that done and then we'll go over there the 7th. Surgery took, you know, it ain't surgery, it's an implant. It took about, all oh, an hour. They go in and he puts a balloon in my lung Blows it up. It shuts off the oxygen supply. That's the only reason they could put them valves in there. If it had not done that, couldn't couldn't have done the procedure. Hmm. But anyway, he blows the balloon up. It shuts the oxygen off. He deflates it and then puts six uh, Suffolk valves. Okay, when, when they're working, you see them working. He showed me a picture of it. It looks like a brim opening and closing his mouth. <laughs> I'm so serious. A brim as in the fish? Air. Oh, yeah. It's giving me air because what it's doing is letting before, okay, when I would inhale, you know, my lungs would expand, everything would be cool, but then I couldn't exhale. So I've got all this bad air trapped in my lungs. Oh, yeah. So all he did, he put six in there, and he said, you'll have an even flow now. For the bad air to go out. Hmm. 
Well, you need to rename it, sir. Name it the chinky pen procedure, <laughs> which is No, a- no, no. <laughs> Dr. Connie got two because I said, hey, my nickname from when I was young, young was Perch Mouth. <laughs> you know, I was Phil Coffee. So he said, you know, when he, he was talking to me the rest of the rest of the whole time I was I over. I forgotten that, sir. Perch yeah. Mouth. No, Perch no, no. He said, he said, well, Perch Mouth, you ought to feel better, you know. <laughs> but hey. No, I hate to say this for the doctors and nurses and everybody involved at Houston Medical Methodist Hospital. Very, very excellent care. But the resurrection is looming larger. Oh, yeah. I, well, no, no, I just tell everybody now, yeah. Death ain't nothing but just change of ass dress, boys. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will tell you this. This made me look at what God you got to understand something. You're looking at dirt for crying out loud. That's what I was made out of. Yeah. <laughs> you talking about amazing, okay? You talking about some soil, boys, right here. Yeah. Okay, look, 100,000 miles of blood vessels and arteries in this old man's bodies. You know, that'll go around the earth about twice. So, yeah, you, gotta, you, you lost uh, me on that one, but I'll take your word for it. No, no, hey, <laughs> check it out. You can Google it. It's a, Google it. You'll find out. It's, it's hey, it's true. Oh man! So, Sai, what what Welcome came back, Sai? Sai, if you could describe, there's a lot of different kinds of soil on planet Earth. So, are you what are you? Sand, clay, or are you mud? Are you gumbo mud? What? what how would you oh, describe? No, 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 no. Hey, I'm the I'm the richest. <laughs> soil there is. Oh, okay. Okay, because yeah. hey, yeah, I'm serious. Look at our vets. You know, you got people that don't have their arms, don't have their mm-hmm. legs, their bottom half, their body's been blown away in war. Yep. And then they're still functional. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So. Yeah. Oh, it's mind boggling. I yeah, like what that. It is. Rich, fertile soil. So size oh, the yeah. size the and that's how we grow fruit, right? Because the Bible talks about fruit growers. That's hey, you're a fruit grower. That's why the fruit of the spirit. Okay, and this is for all the folks out there. Hey, look, if you got issues and you do, you know, you here's what you do. You start isolating them one at a time. Oh, you don't you you lack you lack self control. Well, guess what? Hey, start working on it. Get some of the fruits of the Spirit, self-control. You got an anger management problem? Hey, take that and throw it out in the garbage where it belongs. (laughs) Then get you some of joy, peace, love, kindness, all the other good stuff that the Spirit got. Mm -hmm. God has told you. Hey, he not only just told you, he's promised you. Jesus came to this earth for one reason, to bring us life, and not just life, but the best. Okay? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all they want for the human race is the best there is. That's right. Boys, hey, you can't, you can't find nothing to beat that, I'm telling you. You went into surgery, you couldn't talk or breathe, you came out preaching. So it's Oh, no, a good that's sign. what Dr. Connie said. Good grief, he was kind of. 
you know, wasn't having, you know, was having problems speaking. He said, I may have created a monster. <laughs> and I said, well, if you gave me good airways, yeah, you have. All you, all you needed was six chinky pins in one lung and six bluegills in the other. And look at, look outside. That's it. Hey. Do so you side- still have the balloon in your lung or is that just No, that's just to blow it up. Okay. No, no, yeah, they actually, they actually put it inside my lung and fill it, fill it, blow a balloon up. Did you levitate off the bed when they put the balloon in you? Well, hey, I don't know. I'm out. Okay, I'm 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 asleep. Well, you don't weigh sixty pounds. I just figure. How long did it feel like when you closed your eyes? How long was it when you opened them? No time passed. That's the way the resurrection is. Yeah. Yeah. You close your eyes. No time passes for you. You open them. It's it's that long. And that and and again, I woke up with no pain. Resurrection is going to be the same way. Yeah, it's good. All point. the pain and sorrow and tears and all the bad stuff. Nah. You were, you've, you've gone through a mini resurrection on this one, ain't you? Oh, yeah. Did you see a white light in a tunnel? <laughs> hey, I see a white light all the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so bright, hey, so bright, it'll blind you if you look at it long. Okay, that's who I'm following. Okay, okay. it's a bright light. Hey, I, I like it. it. So, decide like to prove that your point was true about uh, being a, a, a bag of dirt. That's exactly the way Jesus described humanity in Matthew 13 with the parable of the sower. He said, we're all different kinds of soil. Different kinds of soil. Exactly. And some of, us are, some of us are open to his message. Some are closed. Some accept it for a while. But the ones that are blessed are the ones that take in the message and then multiply and grow and bear fruit, to your point. And actually not only take it in, but then apply it to their every minute of their life. Right. I like that. That's well, good. Well, I prayed, Sai, that you'd have a few more years on the earth, the Almighty, and look like you're going to, you got another duck season coming up. Look here. Sai, you. Oh, we're back on the teal. Uh, here's, here's what you've <laughs> they, been missing right here. They struck. They struck this morning, baby. I looked around for you this morning. I didn't see you because you can't breathe in problems. Hey, you That's there. one of God's little creatures there that is amazing. He's a jet aircraft in the air. He comes, lands on the water. He's a boat. Okay, if he gets hungry, he wants to go a little deep, you know, like two foot deep, get something to eat, get some of the grain off the bottom of the deal. Then it comes a submarine. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what dad is like, Jay? Dad, dad, dad is like King David. You know, after he cut off uh, Goliath's head, you know, everybody knows the battle, right? But if you read yeah. on... David carried around the head of Goliath for like a month uh, after the what happened. He everywhere he went, he carried that head. So Dad looks like that was starting car- to smell. <laughs> well, you know it was. I mean, a month out in the desert. But Dad's doing the same thing with that uh, those that group of teal. That's that we've translated <laughs> them over to the next podcast. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's when you know we, th- times have been a little bit desperate, I suppose. So no, si- David was just trying to tell everybody. You know, that, that Texas, it's got a sign that says, don't mess with Texas. That's all David was saying. That's hey, right. don't mess with me, boys. Exactly. He carried that in. So, Side, tell us a little bit about how, how are things on the uh, how are things going on our, our brother podcast, uh, The Duck Call Room. You guys having fun over well, there doing that? Yeah. And uh, the best one was when my wife 
decided to come on. <laughs> oh, I watched that. Yeah. Yeah. And and cops will tell you. Okay, she backed I, you all the way, didn't she? Oh no, 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 no. Though no, this was this was I would tell my side of the story. <laughs> okay, and and like the song says, hey, this is my side of the story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay, but then she's over there going, because when they told me we got married, okay, and when the preacher said, uh, "Where's the ring?" I said, "Hope." I had a cigar in my pocket. And I took it out and had a band on it. <laughs> took it off and I, that's what I slipped on her finger. She said, oh, you did not. You bought me like a $16 cheap ring. And I said, folks, this is the first I've heard about this $16 cheap ring. <laughs> I said, but by the way, I have upgraded that to a big diamond. And I tell her all the time, don't, don't wear that out in public. They'll cut your finger off to get that. <laughs> From cigar rings. But now the, the podcast is going good. We have a, you know, we, my motto is if I can't have fun, I ain't going to do it. Yep. You know, so we have a lot of fun. Yeah. And the people love it. And a lot of people that I run into when I'm speaking around the country, uh, they watch ours and they watch yours as well. So they love both, which is great. And a lot of them watch Sadie. So we're blessed to be able to have kind of a, uh, what would you call it, Zach? A platform of podcasts uh, that we're able to kind of get yeah, the message out there. It's a double dope option. There you go. And you might could say it's a quadruple <laughs> option because Sadie's got one, Christian's got one. Yeah, a quadruple. Hmm. Whatever, you know. Hey, they know what I was talking about. They get, they get it. <laughs> a quadruple. You can, never, you can never beat a good quadruple. I like it. Let's take a break. Nope. So, Zach, I know you and I both have used uh, one of our sponsors, uh, ScoreMaster. They have what they call a, a three-week rule, where if you're going to have any major purchase, we're talking about a car, a house, you know, any kind of refinancing, uh, you go to ScoreMaster.com first to get that credit score raised. Why is that important to have a higher credit score? Well, the, the, the better your credit score, the lower your interest rate, which can be significant on your mortgage rates, your insurance bills. Yeah. It's uh, when we bought our house, I went, I actually did this and uh, I can't remember how much uh, up my score. I think it was like 70 points. I can't, I can't remember now, but it did, it did throw me into that next category where I got preferred um, rates. And so it averages uh, on average, it's 61 points. So it has been that and higher, as Zach mentioned. Uh, Lisa and I have done the same thing, especially in a time of inflation when the interest rate is going up anyway. You really need these guys to get that high credit score. So go to scoremaster.com slash fill. They're going to have a special seven day trial uh, for our listeners. So scoremaster.com slash fill. Remember that three week rule. Get those credit scores up and save yourself some money in the long run. So uh, we're we're studying the book of Mark. So, Sai, we're going to invite you just to jump in anytime you got anything to add to our Bible study today. We uh, in the last overtime we talked about um, we went back. Zach went back to Daniel seven, uh, and Jace also closed out the podcast by looking in Revelation at this picture of Jesus. Because the one thing that Mark does, he seems to like immediately jump into the need to understand the authority of who Jesus is. I mean, that's why he starts him out right off the bat by being the son of God. And I wanted to read today to start a podcast because he starts with John the Baptist. We've mentioned it two or three times, but there's a big difference 
John talks about a change of heart, repentance, right? And the importance of once a person has repentance that they can receive forgiveness of sin. And remember, this is in an era where you just have law and sacrifice. This is a new concept of both baptism and repentance of sin. They, I mean, it's something new to them. But there's by a big the way, Al. Go ahead. By the way, here while you're there, <clears throat> you, you wonder after looking at the world's religions and the pains they take to outfit the priest and whatnot, the preachers slicked up. Why would why would God pick the the, the man who's going to introduce the Savior of the world? Going to introduce him. Why would he he come up there looking like he did? He was he wore clothing made of camel's hair, leather belt around his weight, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Why pick that type of individual who evidently had, was surviving? on grasshoppers and robbing beehives, and his clothing is a little bit less than uh, up-to-date with the current people. Why would God do that? What kind of statement is that making? I, I, I'll, ju- I, I'll jump in there because I think God over and over and over used wilderness experiences as a prelude to something awesome. When you think about what happened with the Israelites and 40 years of wandering and you think about John the Baptist, you even think about Jesus, you know, that we're going to read in Mark chapter one. Mm-hmm. He went from the water, the spirit descends on him. God said, this is my son whom I love. I'm well pleased. And then the spirit immediately carried him to the wilderness. And I'm going to tell you, when he came out of that wilderness, after he defeated the evil one, for the first time, I guess. I mean, did he ever change the world as we know it? Well, my opinion is that, and I agree with what Jay said, and I would also add that it, it's obvious that God wanted to go outside of the religious establishment, and I say that in quotes, that he wanted a voice that was unique and in its pointing, and all this had been prophesied about as as we read in the text, and it says, let me just read it. It is written in Isaiah, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert. This is from Malachi now. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John comes, baptizing in the desert, in the, re- in the wilderness, as Jay said. So people think about this. People are having to go out to find him. It's not coming to the temple. It's not coming to the synagogue. People are going out into the wilderness to get the message that John is preaching about the one who's to come. And it says the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan river. And then dad described what he looked like. This was his message. And no, no dress code needed. None. Well, no, no, that's, that's what I was going to say, okay? It's very simple, okay? Clothing is only a garment, a covering, okay? God wants us to be way more, okay? The essence of man is not what he's wearing. Yeah. The essence of man is, is what he 
if what he believes, what he, what he puts his trust in, what he spends his money on. What's in his heart. You know, what's in his heart and his mind. Is that why you didn't wear clothes the first 10 or 12 years of your life? Well, it may have been, but I'm a free spirit. I remember when Ma, when you were six years old, and everybody was going toward the school bus, you know, pull up there out there. And, and and but you were naked. I mean, like you came out of your mother's, my mama's loins. You were naked, and you said, "Nope, no clothes for me." And you had a scuffle there, and she had to take out her belt and tear your butt up. And because said you're gonna wear clothes, and you said, "I'm never wearing clothes." You wanted to run naked, sir. So you, you had you. wisdom before. I mean, you 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 had that wisdom. Before it was time, but can you imagine the kids on that school bus? They see all them kids come running out, and they're like, "Hey, one of those kids, no, no, he hey, doesn't have was clothes a thing on. on that." You didn't wear clothes. I remember it was up to six because I, I watched you grow up. You just didn't wear clothes. <laughs> well, I, I got used to it. Here's what I was, what I had in me, is I was pure. I was innocent. Okay, so hey, I was unashamed. <laughs> Hey, oh. <laughs> okay, I'm seriously, when you think about that, um, you know, it's just a gun. Hey, cause that brings me back. I didn't even know how to put on the gown in the hospital. Oh, boy. I put it on the wrong way. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, serious. I've got it, and I, the open is in front. And I said, hey, why even give me the gown? I said, I'm going to be showing my behind anyway. <laughs> But you, know, you couldn't said, tie hey. the gown. You couldn't find where the gown is yeah. tied. Yeah. If if you, yeah, I put it on backwards. Yeah. <laughs> but I just told him, I said, "Hey, look, why not just leave me in my birthday suit? Forget the stupid gown." Yeah. You were going back to your childhood, yeah. sir. Hey, that's it. Hey, give me freedom, boys, <laughs> or give me death. Period. Little <laughs> 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 well, Patrick Henry from Uncle Si. So let me keep reading. This was John the Baptist's message. After me will come one more powerful than I. So here we're back to authority again. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. So he establishes here that I'm not the man. Yep. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a huge thing, obviously, because we know what happens later. But you know, what he's saying is, is that this baptism of repentance, it's important. Obviously, forgiveness of sin is important. It's a change of heart. But a change of nature is something new. I mean, we're talking about change of heart to change of nature. The Spirit of God can change your nature. It, it, it turns you into something spiritual like God and gives you that opportunity. And so I think he's really drawing the line early in the difference between the way things had always been and for the way things that are about to be. And we've spent a lot of time talking about when we're talking about the kingdom. If you just saw him, his looks would tell you that he was not a, a religious guy according to the Establishment. culture. He, right. he, 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 they knew he didn't come out of the temple. Nope. Well, I would, I would propose that when people look at us, the last thing they would think is that we were religious people. And look, we were in the wilderness spiritually and literally, you know, when y'all came to the Lord. And that's why I'm not surprised that John the Baptist was chosen because I, I look at our family. I mean, Phil, you can't be any more in the wilderness than you were 40 years ago. 
Yeah. Yeah, but that's one of the things about what I was saying about the cover of the book. Okay, you can't judge the book by the cover. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's a great point. So so. Jesus had nothing to say. Look at me. I'm the Savior of the world. You know, he was not, there was nothing that would draw you to him. Yeah, he was just a normal fellow. Yeah, but like, I think that's yeah. that's the whole point of this book. Yeah. Is the God yeah. who's extraordinary yeah. takes the ordinary, which is us, made of dirt, and yeah. makes us extraordinary through his Holy Spirit. That's yeah. why I post that's why I read that Revelation one uh last time, which which I skipped <laughs> over the one line that said his feet were like bronze in a furnace because that's obviously going back to that prediction of the kingdom. You remember when he listed all those kingdoms that would come? Well, they all had feet of clay because it shows you that no matter how many kingdoms or power that you view on earth, what happens to them? They They all crumble. And here's a man who visited earth. That's got, you know, the picture is his feet are like bronze in a furnace the difference in his kingdom and all the other kingdoms on earth is that his an e- he's an uh, eternal king with people that he will transform into eternal beings. Yeah, I think that going back to what <laughs> hang, we talked about last hang week. Hang on, Zach. Let's take a break. Yeah, going back to what we talked about in the last episode the kind of the paradox of the whole thing is that it's, it's that that Christ came, he's not weak, but he came in weakness. Um, and so the, the picture here, the wilderness and, and even just the way that John the Baptist looked, it reminds me of that. Um, I think it was the temple of doom, you know, when they, they had, they, when Indiana Jones was looking for the last supper and the, uh, looking for the cup of the Lord, you guys remember that scene? That was the Holy grail, but yeah, different yeah, movie, ho- but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he's trying to find the one, and so they're all picking the wrong cu- cup because they're looking at the one that's the most you know grandiose or has the most jewels on it. Yeah. And the the, the real cup of of the Lord was the one that was like the the humble, you know, clay cup. And I think that's the that's the thing that's hard for people to get their mind around. Going back to Matthew sixteen, the coming of the kingdom. We love that part about hey, we're going to storm the gates of hell, and the, and the, the gates of Haiti will not prevail. We love all that part. We don't like the next part, take up your cross and follow me. But we shouldn't be surprised when we read that, because even at the beginning of this thing, the way that this kingdom is being ushered in is in the weirdest way, like out of the wilderness yeah. with a guy that's eating locusts and wild honey that looks like Phil. You're not going to like this is not how we would anticipate it coming. We would think of a big uh, you know, procession and, and, and bands and, and, and armies and all that. And that's not how God came. They didn't come in the form. He came you know, in the form Matthew, of a baby. Matthew, Matthew recorded this. Uh, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But first, seek the first, the, his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Don't worry about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of money in clothing and food. <laughs> if you look at it, just step back. It's a big, multi-billion industry. And when it comes down to it, huh? when it comes down to it, ain't nothing there. That's it. <clears throat> yeah, that's the threat. That's the point about it. 
Yeah. When you get right down to the <clears throat> nitty gritty, close it ain't nothing there. Yeah. Was it what was it James that said they just the moths get them and they rot anyway? I mean, if you put everything into that, right? I mean, which is the whole idea, and I think Zach was right. It's it's the idea of how it came that showed that it was different. Even look at the next verse. So we'll read this little section when he gets baptized in verse nine of Mark one. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, which you can just stop right there, right off the bat. That's outside of the religious establishment. Remember, Jace, when the, the Pharisees, they were saying, what good thing comes out of Nazareth? I mean, this is where this was the where all the calls live. This is where the scrubs live in this region. You're, you don't you're not going to have the Messiah, the son of God come living in this place. That was their thought process. But that's where he was. He was baptized by John in the Jordan. And we know from other uh, accounts, it's like, well, why am I, why are you coming to me for baptism? I mean, you should be baptized to me. I mean, John the Baptist recognized Jesus even then. <clears throat> As what you think, what kind of clothing did the Son of God, the, the, the one through whom, through what everything was made through him, creator of the cosmos, I just wonder what his attire looked like. I'm sure Mark gives uh, John the Baptist. I wonder what Jesus was wearing. I'm sure it was very, very humble. It wasn't anything fancy. Through the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That's my take on it. I'm serious. Yeah. Purity, you know. I agree. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And then, of course, as soon as that happens, the revealing of who he was, at once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, the wilderness, as Jace calls it, and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. And so we talked about a lot of the different reasons why. Obviously, one of the reasons why he was baptized by John was to fulfill prophecy, and righteousness. The second was to identify him as the Messiah, the Son of God. We know that from John's account. And but the third was really the most important one to me to introduce the Spirit of God for all of us. This is what opened the door now for humanity, for the Spirit of God to have the opportunity to live in us. And that was probably the biggest thing other than just revealing who he was, in my opinion. Yep. Well, yeah, yep. and you in this moment you have the, you have a picture of of the full, like I say, the full like the, uh, the a, a better view of God being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, um, you have all all members of the Trinity are present in Jesus's baptism. You have the Son that's present. You have the Father who says, uh, "This is my Son, whom I'm well pleased." And then you have the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. So you've got all three persons of the Trinity. And that's really important for us to understand because if we don't understand that God is triune, like then then we're, we don't understand who God is, and, and we're not worshiping the God of the Bible. We have to start with who God is. So I think that's another big part of this this moment. You know, if uh, Jesus and John the Baptist had walked in modern day, there's a lot of places they could go as structures where we go worship, church buildings. But if Jesus and John the Baptist just walked up in one one day, Al, what would people think? <laughs> well, we kind of saw what they think because when you read the Gospels, they didn't think too much of him. They were just like, who does this guy think he is? Who gives you the authority to say this? Why? Who do you think you are to tell us what to do? I mean, 
he, it wasn't well received in, in the circles of both the synagogue and the temple and the religious establishment of the day. So you're right. The answer to the question is right there in the, all the gospels. It was like, they, they thought they didn't know what they were talking about. Well, That's well, exactly to, right. to size point, you know, when you read that verse where John the Baptist said that, uh, he wasn't worthy to tie his sandals. I just on a hunch, I looked up the top 20 most expensive shoes. And number 20 is a pair of Nikes at 26,000. Then there's some dress shoes at 30,000. Well, there's a sandal, the Hermes Birkenstock that they average from 34,000 to $76,000. Wow. For, for shoes? For a Burn pair of sandals. Box. Man. And huh? here's another dress shoes for 38. There's another Nike Ooh. SoCal Air Force Supreme Max, 50,000. So you run all the way down. There's some Air Jordans here for 60,000. Silver shoes that literally have silver in them. <laughs> but look, when you get down to the top three or four, I want to read these to you. Because it shows you about how our culture views success and power. There's some Cinderella slippers that uh, Stuart Weitzman came up with. Two million, two million dollars for a pair of shoes. You here, are kidding. Here, no, here's another pair for three million. Yeah, They're number no. five. <laughs> Harry Winston's ruby slippers. I didn't know I was going to unlock that can of worms. Three million. <laughs> So we get to the number one, the number one pair of shoes, most expensive. They're called Moonstar Shoes by Antonio Viatra. $19.9 million a pair. Wow. How many pairs are there? People actually have bought that, have bought them. They bought them, Phil. What are they called again? Moon? They're called Moon? Moon Moonshot. No, Moonstar. I now now understand why. Jesus said, and the way John the Baptist dressed. I get it now. Chase, that, 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 I, that, I, 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 I You're get welcome. It now. If you get this thing called a computer and you do some searches, you can find all kind of interesting things. Yeah. Boy, what would we be, Sir, if we had, knew how to work a cell phone? I don't need Hang on. I, do, I do like to have it say, hey, Google this. Hang on. Let's take a break. So when you look at this uh, story, Jace, it was it was kind of like we were talking about from the water to the wilderness, because immediately this goes from this scene that that Zach was describing that shows the you know the all three of the persons of God. It introduces the Spirit for all mankind, and then immediately the Spirit it says takes him into the wilderness. So which means that there was a a voice or whatever you want to say, just like we talked about the spirit guiding and leading us that said, you need to go out here. And so when he did, uh, he was out there for 40 days. It says with the wild animals. And when you read about Mark chapter, I mean, uh, Matthew chapter four, or Luke chapter four, you get what happens while he's out there. And he was literally approached by Satan kind of, I would say at his weakest human time. I mean, he'd been fasting for 40 days. He hadn't eaten anything. And so the evil one shows up and, and basically tries to get him to figure out what, what he's doing here. Because we already know from a little bit later, the demons, they know who he is, but they don't know why he's here. And so it's almost like including s- including Satan. Right. He didn't, and so, he didn't know he was going to d- die and save the world. 
No, he didn't. We know that from what is it? Uh, Corinthians, where it says first, they didn't know. First Corinthians four. Yeah, because if they yeah. would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of Glory. I, I love this too because it, it shows the nature of of God. Think about it, you have the you come out of the wilderness, like the the whole message, the proclamation of this coming God yep. is coming out of the wilderness, which I'm thinking of the book of Exodus. You can't hardly read this without thinking of the book of Exodus, right? And God's right. people are in the wilderness for you know, forty years before they went to the promised land. So they're coming out of the wilderness to proclaim the the coming of the kingdom and the king. The king arrives. He's he's baptized. The the moment of God the Father speaks over him. So this is my son whom I'm well pleased. The Spirit descends on him, and then that God Emmanuel God God came to earth, became like us. He goes back into the wilderness. That's the first place he went. Like he went back into the wilderness to go to the place. Where we're at, you know, the metaphor there is just unbelievable and so 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 profound to me. Well, and doesn't and the, yeah, and doesn't Paul point. point that out, Zach, in First Corinthians ten, when he compares that exact thing, he says, you know, when they went through the Red Sea and the the cloud that was going over them, in essence, they were being baptized. He says he uses that metaphor. They were being baptized yeah. to go now into the wilderness before they ever reach the promised land. So you're right. It's such a strong shadow or picture of what's going to happen with Christ and what, and then he did it for us too. I think that's the reason he did it. You know, the Hebrew writer says he he had to be tempted in every way to, so he could relate to his brothers. And so that's why he went out. The spirit took him into that wilderness to face temptation and to every time Satan used all of his craftiness and used the scriptures to try to attack. He came back and he said, Nope. Will of God, will of God, will of God. Every time he get back to why he was written. there. It is written. It's well, written. then no, throw in Psalms 23 about walking through the okay. wilderness. You are, you, you are, you are you're, you're, you're rod and your staff there is yeah. comfortable. Sorry, Say that again, that Sam. About the wilderness, Psalms 23, about, you know, you know, walk through the valley of death. Oh, yeah. I will fear no evil. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. That's because another picture. the Lord's picture. with you. Right. Yeah. Right. And you notice he kept combating that with, because Satan, it really shows you how crafty he is. So he knows who Jesus is, but he doesn't know why he's here. And he's using scripture, which has been the Holy Spirit carrying along all this time to get to Jesus as a way to try to convince him what to do. You talk about crafty. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's a bold move, you know, when you think about it, to try this on the son of God. And yet that's how bold he is, not was, is because he's still doing it. I mean, we're still facing the temptation. We're still facing the lies. We're still facing the misuse of what God said to try to convince you to do something that God doesn't want you to do. But I think I think the most important part of this is the reason that a lot of people quickly fall away. And, you know, you have that verse that because of trouble or persecution is because they don't realize even why is Jesus himself, you know, subjected to the wilderness in this moment. But there's a reliance on, you know, God's power. He receives the Holy Spirit and there's a testing that has to happen that makes you rely on him. And you see that in our own lives. I mean, people who come to Christ thinking that all their problems are going to go away and you're going to get all these rewards on earth and have, you know, the $20 million pair of shoes, or if that's your goal, well, that's just frivolous. That, that That's not going to work. I mean, he's called us to a life of suffering and 
to be used by God. And when that happens, you are going to be persecuted. You are going to be tested. So it's not like he's taking the problems away. He's just giving you the ability to navigate through it to show the character of God, which is working in each and every one of us, which is what Jesus did. Hmm. He did say, if they hated me, they will hate you also. Yeah, he did. So we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and and I think that's the call for us to join into his suffering, which nobody wants to suffer. But I think that that's the the thing that I just can't, I'm just trying to get my mind around is a God who would suffer, a God who would condescend, a God who would go into the wilderness voluntarily, a God, even think about the, the weakness of Christ here. Not only is he going into the, into the wilderness to be tempted, he, he's intentionally uh, fasting you know, in this process, to, which would, you would think would make him more vulnerable. So you, once you continue to see with Christ at the very beginning of his ministry here, which this is, by the way, also when he was baptized, was the establishment of his ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a continual, um, intentional making himself weak and vulnerable. I, I think that's the part that, that why this kingdom message is so hard to explain. We've mentioned this kind of in the overtime last segment. It's so difficult. One of the reasons it's so difficult is because that is that is completely contrary to everything that we hold as humans. Like we make myself vulnerable. No, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to posture myself. I'm going to make sure that I get what I deserve, that no one takes advantage of me and blah, 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 position myself. And then we have this God of the universe who's so much greater than we are. And he takes the complete opposite approach that it's, it's got to be divine, you know. To me, that, that I don't even know how to, yeah. how to make sense of that. So let's uh, let's take a look, our last break. So yeah, Zach, to your point, you talk about a different. You said this earlier, a different view of power. Jesus is showing us a completely different view of what real power is. Having the power to do whatever you want to because you created everything, and yet to totally give of yourself. Think about power in our country. The people that are in power right now doesn't matter about parties or anything else. You know what their one goal is? To stay in power, stay there, and to have more power. And to try to rule over yeah. more of your life. I mean, that's the human side of it. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to control every aspect of your life. And it's just the opposite. Jesus says, I, I want you to love me. And I want you to say, please control who I am because I trust you because you're immutable. You never lie. You never, you know, you're, there's no one greater than you. That's why I want yeah. to serve you. So it's a completely different flip view. And Jesus shows us that by his own personal walk. Oh, that's why I would sure love, I, uh, Zach, you're the big movie guy. I would love for someone to do a movie on the book of revelation and have all these Christians going around like sheep, just getting annihilated, which is what happened. And then you show them post-resurrection, not coming in vengeance and all, but actually smiling as in, I'm now imperishable. Yeah. Uh, But it's a story that nobody would want to tell because who would want to see a bunch of sheep getting slaughtered only to come back, but be bigger in character in that way you should have listened to me. Yeah. But that's basically the gist of it. But yeah, people yeah. just they don't feel comfortable portraying that. 
Well, and, and truthfully, I, when you told me that a few years ago, I was like, nah, we could never do that because our view of, of Revelation is probably the minority view, although I think we're right. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I think it ties into all this, you know, the end times and eschatology and how this whole idea, I do think it ties in. I think it ties in because like the, the what's happening here is that people, we want to contain God. We've That's what we've always wanted to do. Let's put him in a box. Let's contain him. You know, they thought they had him contained to the temple. And when they did that throughout the entire Old Testament, they bastardized the temple over and over and over again and kicked God's presence out of it. They turned it into a prostitution and all that. And you go through the Old Testament and you get to the end of it, you get to Malachi and you're like, this ain't going to work. <laughs> you know, this ain't going to work. And then you have 400 years of silence. Nobody says a word. And then all of a sudden, boom, here we are in Mark chapter one. And this guy's coming out of the wilderness. And he's like, hey, about that thing that y'all, you know, we never could figure out how it was going to work. He's here. He's here. The new the, the, the new king is here. The new kingdom is here. He's, he's bringing something different. And and what's good with well, the way this thing is going to end up is he's, he's going to say this temple that y'all have tried to keep me in. Yeah, that's coming down. That that whole thing is going to burn down. It's coming down. But I'm setting up a new temple. You, you you take that temple down. You're going to take this temple down. I'm going to rebuild it in three days. And then the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to live in you. And you're going to be the temple. You're mm. going to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's presence is going to be with you always, everywhere you go. Those of you who would put your faith it in is, them. It is quite the story, the greatest story ever told, no doubt about it. But that that's why in a lot of, uh, you know, I remember when we were, I was early in my marriage and Missy had been raised to where when you met on Sunday mornings, you wore your best. And I would always have my camouflage on or perhaps, you know, I'd clean some ducks that morning and she, she would be like, are you going to change clothes? And I would say no, because if someone in shabby clothes comes in to visit, I want them to feel comfortable. And she's like, well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But she had an epiphany <laughs> when I said, well, I just quoted James 2, 2. <laughs> if, just listen to this. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? That ended that discussion. <laughs> to get to Sai's point, it, if if the the forerunner of Jesus was a guy from the wilderness wearing what he wore, I don't see how in the world you can make a point to where you make a setting on Sunday morning uncomfortable for anyone to come in. It should be about the heart of the person and not what you're wearing. Yep. Well, Well, good point, Chase. Well, at least um, at least when this happens and Jesus obviously comes out of the wilderness, which, by the way, there are angels there attending to him. And when he starts his ministry, uh, picking up in verse uh, 14, it says, well, at least we know he's going to leave this this uh, unknown camel's hair, John the Baptist, his own you know, person from Nazareth, to pick out some really upstanding temple-type followers uh, to be his disciples. 
after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaimed the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the good news, which we've talked about. As Zach said, this was the beginning now of his ministry. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Well, surely he would pass these guys by. What do they have to offer? Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets, two more fishermen. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So kind of continuing in our theme of greatness in being and what you wouldn't expect, his first four picks were sea rats, commercial fishermen, uh, who ha- would have had no standing in terms of the religious establishment, you know? I mean, so again, he's continuing the narrative as he goes right into his next phase. Yeah, of picking which, his which, go- which goes to my point. You never want to be in a position of worldly wealth or pursuit of that or materialism where if Jesus showed up today or as in Hebrews 13, you know, angels posed as strangers or, this group of fishermen showed up at your church or your house and you didn't welcome them in based on the way they look or what they did. I mean, just think about the consequences of that here. The savior of the universe or the forerunner shows up and you missed it just based on your appearance of what Christianity or God would be like. You would miss the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, now it almost works in reverse, Jace, because, uh, you know, it, I don't know why, but in kind of more in the common air, a lot of churches are dressing down. You see people when they come. It's not like it used to be like what you described. And so now I almost have to tell a couple of people, look, it's OK. Keep wearing something nice just in case somebody comes in wearing nice. I want them to feel comfortable in your setting. <laughs> We've almost flipped the script, which is a good thing, yeah. I think, you know. Yeah, you know what happens. Oh, yeah. What happens when you live a, a kingdom life? When you're when you're fully invested in the kingdom, and living in the presence of God, what happens is is you move from trying to find splendor and, and like we want to see the big thing, right? And that's what how we get motivation in, in our daily, ordinary, mundane lives. When you live a kingdom life, it's the you see the splendor of God in the mundane. You see the splendor yeah. and the glory of God in the small. And you and I think yep. that's what what's happening here. Like we like we're so we got to have the big thing, the big show. And I'm like, man, you know, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, I'm there. And how yep. many people, if they were in a church with two or three people, they would just feel defeated. All right, they got to have the big no, show. And no dress code, no dress code needed. No dress no. code needed. God's in the mundane. He's in the small. He's there. And I think that's what so I, you know, I, I love it. Yep. So we're ending the podcast the way we began it by Sai saying he's just a dirt bag. And but he's a <laughs> but but he's a dirt bag for Jesus, which is all that matters, right? So, all right, that's it. So we're out of time, but look, we're going to cross over to the overtime. I want to talk a little bit more about this calling of the disciples because it's the Luke five account from of Peter is really interesting. So I want to talk about that in the overtime. So we'll check that out. BlazeTV.com slash unashamed. Uh, if you want to subscribe to Blaze and follow him and get a few extra minutes with Uncle Sai and the Unashamed crew. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.